This is the Master Plan. I am Alex Mademochoritis. During the worldwide shutdown in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, many reports emerged of urban wildlife sightings. Sea lions were seen on a sidewalk of Mar del Plata Harbor, south of Buenos Aires. A herd of buffalo were seen walking along an empty highway in New Delhi. A cougar was spotted in Santiago jumping onto a wall and finding shelter in an empty apartment. And dolphins started coming more frequently up the Bosphorus Strait in Istanbul. The increase of similar sightings all around the world indicated that in the absence of human life, wildlife re-emerges. Although we are still trying to understand what exactly happened in each context, what is clear is that the relationship between humans and wildlife in urban settings changed during the shutdown, and outlining the reasons for that change could most definitely inform urban ecology and conservation. To help me understand this further, I have with me Pushkar Runwal and Ji Yoon Lee. Together, we will discuss the relationship between wildlife and cities in different places around the world and investigate how simple urban strategies can address long-standing questions in urban ecology, inspire conservation of wildlife, and inform the design of sustainable cities. During the summer vacations in our school, there was a leopard. And Surprisingly, since it was summer vacation, there was not, not, not many children, so it was easy to get rid of him because the forest department came in and just took the, caught, they tranquilized him and caught him. Uh, so I live in this interesting area, which is just on the foothills of uh, the lungs of Mumbai. Uh, and this is called the Sanjay Gandhi National Park. And, and it inhabits around 50 species of different wild animals. And most common among them is the leopard and the most known is leopard because for the city of Mumbai, for the, uh, for the people, it's interesting to go and watch leopards in there. And one of the interesting uh, thing is like, if you can see the map, uh, only in the central portion, it, it's much more like the central park of New York, where you have the central portion where there's the forest and around it, it's the urbanization. The only reason that I particularly find out that it stayed how it is for like about like 200, 300 years right now is because that that part of land acts as uh, as the lung of the Mumbai and it also has the biggest natural freshwater reservoir for Mumbai and actually that being needy to us as humans uh, the, the species in there survived and are still there so it's easy like if you just go and you can spot leopards, you can spot deers, you can spot a lot of other wildlife animals. And like we still have routes that pass through that uh, forests, and it's dangerous at times to go through there. Maybe we need to take a step back. Mm-hmm. I feel um, what is the the historical relationship of citizens and animals in cities. For humans, like if you start from the time of Homo sapiens or like way before that, we have always linked with animals in terms of resources because, you know, at that time we used to eat animals as the main source of food because we haven't came up with agriculture. And then we used to use their bones as equipment and then we used to uh, use their furs to protect us from cold. And... You know, it's 
it has been this thing that to be uh, honest the humans are also animals right it's just that our brain developed and we became homo sapiens and now we are like a, a elite species whom we don't consider ourselves as animals now and now we dictate ab- about the other species and tell them that they are animals and we are civilized you know and which i don't think is the case so is the case how should we consider this how should, how should we look at this i think so at at the at that point the idea comes in where like if we humans have a right even the animals should have their own right and i understand that uh, it's very difficult to coexist in the wildlife area and human area especially when you have not grown in the wildlife uh, it's uh, so to give you one more example like how animals have changed over the time is uh, during covid uh, so thailand has this huge animal tourism sector and there are a lot of tourists comes in thailand and like feed lots of lots and lots of monkeys and during covid the tourism stopped and suddenly the monkeys don't have food to eat and then they started sprawling in the cities because they don't have food in the forest which they are supposedly getting it directly from humans you know like because you're tourist you're just giving them bananas and mangoes and apples and suddenly they change so in a similar way we also have somewhat adapted you know like we have evolved over the time and it's very difficult to coexist with uh wildlife which our ancestors used to do so to be honest it's a very uh conflicting topic where we say that okay let's stay with wildlife and it's nice to stay together and but like to be honest do we actually know how to do this i'm not really sure i mean mm-hmm. if you if you consider places like thailand or in india uh, it's much easier to talk about wildlife in cities but if you consider any european city mm-hmm. the wildest life i think we can consider exists in cities are cats and <laughs> pigeons you know there's no the, you can, it kind of escalates way too to to too far when you move to to asia but like uh, okay if you consider asia in that case i would like to add us also in that case where you know right 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 us being not us being the first world country they too have because of the urban sprawl a lot of fights with uh if you consider miami they have the alligators so they always have the troubles with alligators if you consider chicago's then there's uh wolves around it Ca- sorry coyotes around chicago's that continuously come inside the city and it gets even if uh the you they don't attack humans it's just our tend- tendency to get scared of them because we haven't seen them we don't know how they interact and just even if he's just looking in some bin for some food and we are like okay 911 there's a coyote in my place <laughs> how do i get rid of it i think you we've know? all heard the crazy stories you know of like tigers coming into uh people's houses in mexico or i don't know you know like uh all these incredibly surreal stories for the european context mm-hmm. but it's true that around the world these are much more common common cases yeah and i i mean not even in the state and asia even in the uk they had they have a like wildlife like falcons in the in the london falcons yes wow. yes basically the falcons was lost most of the half of their natural 
territory, so they are just moving the, the city. And they the city has the towers and the power station chimneys, and these high-rise buildings can be a nest to them. So basically, the uh, the Pakons just move into the city, and the for, uh, and thanks for the light, night light, they mm. can easily prey the pigeons in mm. the city. So now they are being a part of the city. Just they, they learn how to uh, survive in, in the city. So and also adding some more in the coyote uh, in the state. Basically, the some of them, the scientists are saying that maybe some coyote is not really like dangerous for the human. They are not really attacked the human that much. But in in some case, people just making the others scary. Like, you know, the wildlife, we don't know how to deal with the wildlife. We, we cannot communicate with them. So somehow, like, the, definitely there's some benefit from the wildlife animals coexisting in the city. But... Uh, we didn't know the how to do that, and we didn't know the why this is the actual benefit, and not really sure about it. So, I think that also happens some that also happened to make some conflict between the animals and the human as well. Any any interesting examples? Like, uh, actually, in California, the there's a lot of kill, uh, trap and kills to coyote to concerning the residents, but, and uh, actually there's a one event was happened there, uh, like accident was happened there, coyote bite one kiss, and after that, the politic can always say like, oh, maybe you need to say nine moment when you see the coyote, but the scientists they say, when you are wanna kill themselves, they just want to uh, make a more birth, because they need to keep their the the number of the species, so they said it's not has no it, it it doesn't have no sense to kill them, but maybe need to find some way to coexist. Because yeah, I mean the, mm. the the first reaction I guess citizens have in the presence of wildlife mm -hmm. in their immediate surroundings is fear. Yeah. Right. Um, as in the predator is here, or uh, let's let's somehow push it away mm -hmm. back to its environment. This is not where it's supposed to be. But I'm wondering whether these limits that we are setting—I mean, not wondering—I'm pretty sure that these limits that we are setting are actually pretty hurtful to to their existence. And in today's day and age, we really need to be conscious about this. Mm -hmm. And again. It, it's one thing to think of a species whose survival has, I think, um, uh, adapted to the existence of cities and they're actually dependent on cities to mm -hmm. survive. I'm thinking of pigeons, mm -hmm. I'm thinking of domesticated animals such as cats and dogs. Uh, but it's another thing uh, to think of a species who is a in direct conflict with the urban environment. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I, I'm seeing this difference quite evident in uh, between Europe and other places in the world. Um, so how can we actually get better at this? Maybe, maybe it's a matter of understanding that animals or wildlife can actually have some benefits for the city. Yeah, yeah. Actually, there's a benefit for the city. We can say like ecosystem service. Like basically, is is a part of the. Uh, it's also like the animals do the 
number of things for the help the humans. So basically the benefit of the human can be uh, cleaning our air and the water and giving, giving the food and also improving the people's health. Basically there's uh, some, there's uh, some studies of the, how can be a benefit for the people, the animals like the, uh, even the study from the Aarhus University and they found the childhood exposure for the green area and the, it, it can, green area and the environment reduce the risk of the mental health problem in the adulthood and also said it can get more even we are more wildlife increase the diversity and it we introduce the natural cycles and lower urban temperature and decrease the decrease the runoff and clean city or these kinds of like more about the natural effect for the city as well so not only for that, even in terms of ecosystem, which is uh, really not retained these days, like by pulling or other, like uh, if, even we just making more green space and, and adapting the wildlife in the city, it just give us more benefit, like that kinds of natural things. So, yeah. That's pretty interesting. I mean, uh there's the typical example of uh, if you have a lot of cats in the city, you don't have a lot of mice. Mm -hmm. you know, at least in European cities, again, we have this uh, uh, <laughs> hate relationship with mice and rats. Mm -hmm. uh, understandably, I guess, because they're used, they're they're known as the carrier of diseases. So we kind of like learn to have cats mm -hmm. around. But it's a difficult case to make for bigger predators, you know, such as leopards and uh, well, more. Temper, uh, temperamental, let's say, animals such as monkeys. Mm -hmm. uh, I think India is also quite an interesting case, yeah. right? Um, the coexistence uh, with animals in cities is much more normalized. Is that correct? Yeah, it is because uh, I think we have been taught to interact with animals from our childhood, right? Because uh, one of the most... So cows are a very frequent and common things that you can find in India on any streets. And in India, like we have a practice that we don't uh, use food that is cooked today to tomorrow. So it's like we don't like to use the stale food more and we cook our bread, bread daily. So what, what to do with the bread if it goes for the next day, if, if you still have more bread. So from childhood, like I, I used to have the practice from childhood, like I used to have the practice to taking the bread and to feed it to the cow in his mouth, you know. And that actually, like, I think, I know it's different in the scenario of European case, but for me, it's just like, it's simple. He's a herbivorous animal. He's not going to hurt me. And I'm just feeding him the bread. And it was just so simple. And, and if I see that as well, and in India, we have a lot of references of animals and our religious beliefs, you know. So uh, if you consider elephants, you consider monkeys, you consider peacocks, you also can con uh, consider cows. They are mostly herbivorous, uh, they are not mostly, like they are herbivorous animals and they have been given a place near God. So it's very difficult to hurt them as a human for us because we have sentiments attached. And that's why they actually survive in our cities, you know, like back home in Mumbai, we see it's easy it's easy to spot an elephant in the city walking around that's fascinating i mean so you mentioned before ecosystem services i can't help but think of urban design and urban planning mm -hmm. i mean we are planners ourselves uh, so how can we 
improve or include, let's say, these ideas, these more inclusive ideas for animals and wildlife in our cities when it comes to planning and design? Yeah, basically, there's a five uh, strategy for the design, the liberality for liberality for urban. Uh, urban design with the wildlife animals. Oh, there's a strategy already. Yeah, I, I mean, it, there's a lot of like studies about the urban, how to implement the wildlife in the city. And I just got it from the, some journal, like they are, they are doing the science and society of the uh, science and society. And basically there's, a, there's more like connectivity and the non, creating the road-free zone and keep the paths outside out of the wildlife friendly area and uh, they should they said like we should avoid the low density housing and and the last one is they are having more like wildlife if they don't became a, a urban island it between the other other environments so basically they are i i I understand they have two aspects of five of five this strategy. The one is connectivity with the nature and and environment, but the another one is at the same time just disconnect with the wildlife and the urban. To add on to your question about strategies, I recently been to Norway and I was driving around the beautiful highways of Norway and there were like tree shades everywhere like going through forests and uh, it had a speed limit of 70 kph at that point of the time i never understood because there was like hardly any car for miles and you were just driving driving at 70 kph but while researching about this topic i kind of realized that it's not more about the speed of the car it's about causing less accidents with the deers or the wildlife that's a passing might pass through the that road and i think that's that's the reason where they stop the speed of the car at 70 kph in Norway. While if you go around the highways in Europe and you can like drive till 120, 130 easily. So which also makes us understand that, you know, uh, we need to design this passive strategies. Like one of the strategies which I was reading is to avoid barbed, uh, barbed wires around the farms, which are near the rural area, uh, sorry, urban areas. So if anyone, animals want to travel through there, they don't get hurt themselves in the bar because it's difficult to spot a barbed wire when you see an animal vision. So there are like a lot of the small and passive strategies that can be implemented around the cities, on the highways, if you're passing by the forest, just reduce the speed of cars, that would reduce the tendency of accidents between cars and uh, uh, like humans and animals. So does that mean we need to somehow redesign our mobility and transport, transportation principles to be more inclusive for animals? Because it seems that we need softer borders and more mm -hmm. connectivity and accessibility, not only for pedestrians, mm -hmm. uh, but also for animals, uh, right? To actually allow, um, let's say, the mobility of animals uh, without, a, without inhibiting it. Um, and I think you got to one of the main culprits here, uh, which is the car itself yeah. uh, building cities around cars not only creates uh, let's say a very scary environment mm. uh, for animals uh, but also the amount of noise and the say the amount of traffic that is created the dangers that are uh, implied for animals crossing highways entering our cities that infrastructure alone uh, if we revisit it and redesign it 
I guess it would be enough to create these softer uh, borders. Yeah, if we look back, I think we used to use horse as the most dependent mean of transport, which yeah. was animal as well. It's just, you you don't need to create a specific infrastructure except like just a walking path for a horse and it was easier to transfer. But I don't know, like with the globalization and the mass production and with everything going around, it's the needs of humans are put forward than animals, to be honest, which is some, which I agree to at some scale, but you know, we need to think about that. Uh, One another aspect, like, if we need, if we think about what is the voice of animals, we need to start interacting with those animals more, you know. Uh, as we have moved ahead, we, we don't interact with those animals in wildlife. Like for me, or to be honest, if I'm going for the trail or a hike in the forest, I don't know how to react when I see some animals, you know. So like, if suppose you just... One of the interesting show which I always liked as a childhood was Man vs. Wild by Bear Grylls. Yeah. So like, as I think everyone knows that he goes in the forest and sees how animals live and like, how do you react? So I had great learnings from that show. Like, what do you do if you see a bear? Just make your body large and try to do that or like, so I think we should interact more with animals to understand what happens with like are they really trying to hurt you is the question we're just scared about our thoughts that they are wild i I think it's very important definitely understanding let's say uh uh, let's say other species and how to interact with them is fundamental but this also needs to be somehow represented in infrastructure and design planning Mm -hmm. Because again, I, I think the, the cities that we are designing and planning, they're very much built around, I mean, the car for once, uh, then the human. <laughs> We're trying to flip that. Yeah. But uh, I think we, should, we can take it a step further. You know? uh, this, they're, they're, the, the idea of the borders between what we consider to be nature and environment and what we consider to be city and artifice, they need to be blurred, they need to be softer, so that nature can actually start trickling in um, cities uh, in a much smoother fashion. Um, And highways play a large part in this, Uh, fences and uh, and limits and zones, they play a a large part in this. Uh, And green infrastructure can also uh, be a very, let's say, positive, uh, have a, can have a very positive effect in our efforts to actually bring in the wildlife into cities. So, uh, like, who I would like to add, so, there are very passive steps, like, as having a better river. Like, if you don't pollute the river, it's easier to improve the biodiversity of the river because then there, you have more species of fish, maybe, and that indirectly attracts more wildlife towards it, you know. Uh, for example, suppose if you are living near species which are close to herbivorous wildlife animals and you have green pastures in cities, but they are not, since they are polluted, it's difficult for them to use those as their means of 
food and nourishment. So simply keeping things cleaner and better can also help wildlife to grow around the cities. The master plan is a project of IAX Master in City and Technology, a program that is redefining the analysis, planning, and design of cities around the world. The show is produced at the Institute for Advanced Architecture of Catalonia, located in sunny, ever so beautiful Barcelona.